In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello, and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And you know what? It's December already. I can't believe it's already December. And we're not only beginning the holiday season right now, but Leadership Beyond Borders is celebrating its six-month anniversary this week, which means we have six months of great podcasts for you to listen to. For the last six months, we've been talking about the best leadership practices, leadership trends, and thoughts around leadership. We have also talked about business issues that leaders need to be aware of in order to lead their businesses successfully in today's global marketplace. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, in this series over the last six months, we've gained listeners from all over the globe. Therefore, a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. We're recording today from, my guest is in New York, and I'm recording from Prague, back in Prague today. And if you're a new listener, welcome. Um, new listeners, do you, to, to let you have a little information about what this show is about, Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what that impact is doing to the kind of leadership and business practices we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. Over the last six months, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, gender generational management and business values that may impact your organization, your individual career, or your business. So download this series and listen to us weekly. You can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be your key to success. I invite you to connect with me. Please do give, send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, and please drop a line. If you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, or if you're a business owner, regardless of your business or your company's international or local, make sure you join us each week, and we will make sure you take away something useful, either for yourself or your business. Now, to get on to what we're going to talk about today. It is critical to watch and manage your online reputation in order to ensure business success and growth. It's also important to have a well-thought-out reputation management strategy in place for your business. But what, what does that really mean? Well, it begins with understanding your online presence, the professional image of your business online, regardless if you have the entire department, you have an entire department in your company taking care of your online presence, or you have outsourced everything to a professional agency, or if you have a family member or a friend doing it, or you just do it yourself, you really need to understand a little bit more than the basics. You have to understand what kind of impression users are getting from your online presence. You have to understand how potential customers and clients are finding you. You need to understand where you can be found. It is this kind, it's kind of like the old saying, and I kind of think of it like first impressions count. And that is really true also in the online world. And once they find you and once they become customers, it doesn't end there. You have to engage them. It's critical to know what your customers and clients are saying about your business and take measures to protect your reputation. Just like most businesses, you're going to get good feedback and you're going to get bad feedback. So learning to deal with the complaints and turn them into improvements for your business is what business owners and leaders also need to learn to do. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the journey from presence to reputation management and how to use customer feedback to improve your business. And we have a great guest today. Our guest today is Mike Blumenthal. Mike is widely cited as the foremost local search expert in North America and affectionately known from his, as, his, from, as Mr. Maps from his colleagues. And Mike is the author of the industry's most respective blog, Understanding Google Maps and Local Search. 
marketeers, local businesses, owners, companies, and local search companies know that a visit to Mike's blog promises rich and unique insights into local SEO news, tactics, and troubleshooting. Google, too, has been captivated by Mike's uh, work. And Mike has received the badge of top contributor from Google, which is quite an honor. Mike co-founded localu.org, which gives training, consulting, and updates and news about local search. And he has also just found, co-founded a new company called Get5Stars.com, a business which helps small businesses better engage with the online review world. He is also the co-author of the expert ebook, Build a Better Business Using Customer Explains. So, Mike, welcome. It's so great to have you. Well, it's good to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I see you got back from Valencia safely back to the States. And Mike was talking at one of our conferences a couple weeks ago. It's already been six weeks now. Wow. <laughs> and so. then I had to fly out to Google for a top contributor conference, and then we gave a local U uh, advanced training in Santa Monica last Thursday. So I just got back from that as well. Wow. So you've been busy. So Mike, let, let's just get into the meat of things. Um, your, your new book is about how customer complaints uh, can be turned into business improvements. And we're going to get to that in a little while, but I'd really like to start with some of the basics about online presence. Because most businesses today have a website, they have an online presence, but they don't necessarily have an online strategy. Why is an online strategy so important? Well, it's important to understand as much as you do offline, online, where new customers are coming from, where existing customers are talking about you, and how to in- improve or enhance either of those. And with a website, it really shouldn't be set it and forget it. It should be integral and that the center of a strategy that does both things, improves your presence in in a visibility in terms of acquiring new customers as well as improves your ability to communicate with existing customers. And only if you understand where they are and when they're coming and how they're finding you can you really take advantage of the opportunities. And when I have a website, and uh, I can understand that through the analytics, but what happens if I, I mean, there are still some companies out there that don't have a website. I mean, can I have an online pr- uh, presence and understand that if I'm just using a social media presence? Well, if you mean by social media presence, Facebook, Pinterest, or you know, one of those, then you certainly can, but you're leaving a lot on the table. In my research, I'm finding that 70, Google is going to be listing your local business, whether you have a website or not, whether you verify that business at Google or not. They want every business in the world. And what I'm finding in my research that oftentimes up to 90% of new leads are coming through Google. And to do well at Google, you really do better if you have a website. So by just having a social presence, you are limiting your opportunities for exposure and growth. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about doing well at Google, and that's always a really big question, Mike, okay? I mean, how much control do I really have over my online presence, or does Google have complete control of that? Well, it, it's a mixed bag. Google is but a essentially a company that scrapes information from around the Internet, scrapes data from around the Internet, and then collates it. They do a lot of research as to how cons- what consumers want to see, and they show that information as best as they can find it. So it's incumbent upon you to be sure that the information about your business out there is accurate and tells your story accurately. So when Google scrapes it and assembles it for the purpose of consumer search, that it shows your business uh, story, tells your business story in its best light. Mm-hmm. So I've heard a lot about um, branded search. Can uh, what, you're talking about just making sure my story is up there? But what do you talk to? Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what branded search is and branded search results? So in all this, if you go to Google and you type your business name in, uh, Google then surfaces what they the, all the information they have about your business, and they surface organic search results, they surface your website, and they surface what's known as the knowledge panel, which is their 
database of things, of people, places, and things. They'll surface that information into a consolidated result about your business. And what you'll find is slight variations of, of searching for your brand. For example, Barbara Oliver, Barbara Oliver Jewelry, Barbara Oliver and Company Jewelry, or if you add you know, Buffalo or Williamsville to those, will surface slightly different results that are likely seen in that aggregate by searchers doing research on your business. And that branded search result, to a large extent, is a mirror into the digital soul of your business, the digital identity of your business across the Internet. Google is the best scraping company in the world. They have massive amounts of research. They do massive amounts of testing. So the information they surface there is what is the best information they found about your business across the Internet. So by being sure that you're in the places they're looking and you're doing well in the places they're looking, you can influence the story that that page tells about you. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have some control on that influencing it. And, and how would I do that? Well, the first is your website. Google is pre, uh, predisposed to showing your website first for a search on your business name. So being sure that you have one, a website that really explains in plain English what you do, what you sell, where you sell it, who you sell it to is critical. And then on a more technical level, the snippets that Google sees from those pages, the title tags and the description of those pages can be controlled by you and Google will surf, typically surface them. And then you can also do things like include first party reviews that you've collected from your customers and highlight those on your web pages. And when those show in Google search, they'll show along with little review stars increasing the likelihood that consumers will come to your website. Um, it's also important that you that you distribute your name in, in the local space across all of the sites that Google uses to measure trust of your business. So with the various YP companies around the world that, that are important in your particular region, as well as places like the Better Business Bureau, etc. And then by encouraging your customers to get third-party reviews, Google will surface those and again show those third-party reviews at places like Facebook, places like Yelp, places like vertical sites. Um, mm-hmm. So those all can influence what Google shows about you and you can both uh, influence them and encourage customers to add their content there. Uh, another area, two other areas, one is great photos because Google's going to show photos from you and they're going to be very, it makes sense to show compelling photos. And then even just correct details about where your pin is located so they get correct driving directions, good hours so they know when you're open. Those sorts of things dramatically improve conversions by up to 40%. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I do have a lot of control then. If I get this right as a business, um, then I will get some visibility. So what, what do, do I really need advertising? I mean, what's more important? Is organic results or advertising more important? Well, my research shows that typical business is only going to get 10% of their business from aver- directly from advertising. Uh, another big chunk is going to come from word of mouth, which I think that you have to be conscious of and work to improve. And then another big chunk is going to come from digital online word of mouth, uh, visibility at Google and the reputation that you display there. So in the at the end of the day, more business can be driven by making sure that you're doing well in the organic results, but that advertising can certainly introduce you to new customers and can sort of bring up the rear. Mm-hmm. I um, we're going to take a short break, and um, I did have one quick question before we break. If you can answer this, uh, now it's very it's very location oriented. What about artists and organizations and consultants and virtual businesses? Do we have a di- do we have a disadvantage with that? Well, Google is all about. Businesses, Google Local is all about businesses that service the local community. So, mm-hmm. for example, an online-only uh, e-commerce site wouldn't be doing that. But many consultants and artists do service the local community, particularly if you're located in a large city. So you really want to start with that presence because it will give you at least access to those people in your backyard. And I think it's important that you take advantage of it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So we're going to take a short break, Mike. And um, when we come back, I want to talk about user-generated contact content um, and getting customer in- engagement and why that's important. So for our listeners, we're speaking with Mike Blumenthal, founder of GetFiveStars.com and author of the expert ebook Build a Better Business Using Customer Complaints. And that book is available at ebook.get5stars.com slash complaints. And Mike can be reached at Blumenthal's, and I'll spell that B-L-U-M-E-N-T-H-A-L-S.com, where his blog is, or at localu.org, or at Mike get at Mike at get5stars.com. And of course, Mike's on Twitter and Facebook. And I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership trainer and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join my LinkedIn group, Leadership Beyond Borders, or my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, and today we are talking with Mike Blumenthal, local search expert and Google top contributor and the founder of get5stars.com and the author of the expert ebook build a better business using customer complaints. So now before the break Mike we took a look at some of the basics on online presence and I'd like to talk a little bit more about user generated contact content. Well because why is that so important? So consumers trust other consumers more than they trust ads these days, particularly millennials. In fact, I have one business client who tells me that a millennial will ask a friend for referral, get the referral, and then go out and check her online reviews after she's gotten a referral from their best friend. So obviously, people of a generation behind or so behind me find user-generated content, particularly in the form of user reviews, trustworthy and meaningful as a way to understand what's good and what's bad about a business as part of making a decision as to whether they should interact with them. Mm-hmm. So what kind of user content user content are you talking about? Well, it depends on the space that you're in, right? So on Google, it's reviews. On Yelp, it's reviews. On Facebook, it's just sharing with other users their experience with given businesses in a peer-to-peer way. Um, so it really is... To be, can be thought of as online word of mouth. 
I think is really the most important. That influences Google search results to a large degree. Uh, reviews have been shown to influence both your visibility, your rank, and your convertibility at Google uh, to a large extent. So I think in many ways reviews become sort of the essence of this. Mm-hmm. Well, when I when I think about uh, user generated content, then I think about I think about of course you know, if I think about Yelp, um, which actually really isn't that present in Europe, but um, very very present in the United States. And I think about restaurants and I think about services. But when I look at some of the some large corporations, on an, and of course everybody's represented on the net today, um, I don't see a lot of user generated content in, in, I wouldn't say, large corporations or brands. Why is that? Well, I think it's a, a, a an oversight on their part, particularly large brands that have a local presence like insurance companies or chains or product resellers. I think that, uh, it, you know, you could easily ask your users for reviews of your products, reviews of your locations. And I think that first party content, whether you're a small business or a large business, is makes all kinds of sense because it keeps your content fresh so that Google sees it as fresh. It gives Google a way to distinguish between one page and the next so Google doesn't see it as duplicate content. And consumers love it. So, I mean, why not give them the content they're looking for? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit uh, aggressive here. And I'm going to say, do you, do you really think it's oversight or arrogance? <laughs> okay. I mean, it was when you start thinking I, like, about this. I'm <laughs> You know, I, you know, when I deal with large corporations with locations, what I realize is that their local efforts are often in the wrong department. They should be sort of under PR and marketing. They're often under the IT department. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it, sometimes it's uh, um, just the way they're organized and the difficulty they have of putting focus where it really belongs due to organizational structure. I don't know that it's yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't ascribe it to arrogance or stupidity, just sort of mm-hmm. uh, historical structures, right? So web stuff is supposed mm-hmm. to be under IT, and that's a mistake. It yeah. should really be someplace else. Yeah, that that is absolutely true because I've seen that quite a bit in some of the corporations that I've worked with. It it gets lost there, and you kind of wonder why is it not under marketing and PR. Um, and so back to back to that, and talking about the customers and the reviews. Um, the other thing I was thinking was, you know, there are businesses that are afraid of them. Um, have you experienced that? Absolutely. Being afraid of reviews is kind of like being afraid of the dark, right? I mean, half of every day is the dark. And if you're <laughs> if you're afraid of the dark, you're not dealing with reality. And the reality of online these days is customer reviews are everywhere. So you can put your head in the sand and wait for bad ones to show up, or you can proactively engage the user and the marketplace and deal with reviews head on. And I think, you know, you can either be the ostrich sticks his head in the sand or the business that's forward thinking and recognizes that this is reality. You better get used to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're saying to really reach out as a business and, and try to encourage people to give reviews. and Exactly. Okay, but it now comes back to that being afraid because sometimes it, it's you know there are good reviews and bad reviews and, and I'm going to get start to get to the heart of your book and you're talking about how you can use that kind of feedback, how you can use complaints to actually build a better business. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. So by engaging the customer in your feedback process proactively, you become the first. The business becomes the first party to hear about the reviews rather than waiting for this negative experience to show up online as a critical review at Google or Facebook or TripAdvisor, where it might be seen by thousands and thousands of people. And I think by proactively reaching out to your customers, asking them for feedback and reviews, you can learn of the problems first and you can work to solve them. It's not going to stop all bad reviews, but it it gives you a leg up in terms of limiting the the potential negative impacts of a bad review. And it also lets you learn about what things are going wrong so you can fix them. I mean, in the end, it isn't about reputation management. It's about reputation development. And reputation development is about building a good business. Building a good business is understand where the customer pain points are and getting rid of them. And I don't see how you can do that without proactively engaging the most important party in that equation, which is your customer. Mm-hmm. 
So how would I, you know, if I'm going to a restaurant, for example, and then um, I'm just going to leave the restaurant and then I'm going to go get a review, how would I actively then or, you know, approach customers? I mean, they're kind of anonymous, aren't they, in some cases? In some cases, but I think every restaurant hands out a bill at the end of the interaction. On that bill, there could, instead of a written form where nobody's going to fill it out, you make (laughs) it clear at the end of that transaction that you'd love their feedback, you give them a shortened URL, or you even ask them their cell phone number, you push a URL to them in real time with their cell phone number, or you put it on the postcard that they take away, that you actively engage them at the end of the transaction to make sure that they know you're willing to listen. So while you are anonymous, I think there are opportunities for interaction. In some restaurants, you could actually give them an iPad at the end of the interaction. In some restaurants we work with, they they put in a a Wi-Fi portal that, you know, solicits the feedback as a quid pro quo for the free Wi-Fi. So there are a number of ways you can do it, even in in a situation like a restaurant where it's perhaps a little harder. I think in most businesses, uh, it's easier to get things like an email address, but I think businesses have to decide that that's a critical juncture in all of this is getting the customer's contact information so that you can follow up. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that brings, that's a very important point. And, and that brings me to, we were at a conference. I was at a conference a while ago and I heard a presentation where the person started out to say they had some work done at their house. And then three months later, they had to have some more work done, but they couldn't for the life of them remember who did the first work, even though it was good. Okay. So, uh, restaurants seems a little bit easy, but it's not always easy in, in the other fields. How would you suggest that, reaching out and getting? Well, let's take an example of that home repair person, right? At the end of that interaction with the consumer in their home, they hand them a tablet and they say, give us your full contact information and let us know how we did. My boss wants to know that I did how I did on the job. You immediately ask them right then and there using a tablet all sorts of software that can do that, including ours, but uh, that's one way. I think that um, what uh, Barbara Oliver does, who's sort of my pet test client, at the end of every interaction, she says to the client, you know, may I, I want, would like to send you a survey and ask how, you, how we did. Are you okay with that? Get, she gets buy-in and then she gets her email address as part of the sale. So I think every business is a little different. Many businesses already have this data in a CRM. Then it's just a question of integrating it into uh, um, a reputation platform automatically because they already have that information in their customer relations management environment. Mm-hmm. And I've I've recently seen that that this is becoming a little bit more prevalent, and we go to go back to these large corporations or la- these large ban- brands, especially in hotels. That after you check out, you get the questionnaire on how was your stay. Um, but I don't see it in a lot of other service. When you're talking, going back to these a lot of other service industries, I mean, if I get my uh, accounting done by one of the big ones, they certainly don't send me a questionnaire saying how was our service. Okay, right. uh, do you do you see do you see any trends to maybe that they're going to have to do that in the future? Well, we I deal with a large uh, international insurance company, and they're doing it. But one of the things that, that we've encouraged them to do and that they're doing is to keep these surveys really brief. Mm-hmm. I get all, all too many 20-question surveys, and it's like, oh, my goodness, how long could a survey possibly be? Isn't that, you know, it's like you really yeah. – one, one of the tools I use, I often encourage our business uh, – partners to use, is Net Promoter Score. It's a very short survey question. It asks the question, how likely are you to recommend us to a friend or colleague? And it compares those people that are likely to be uh, those people that promote you, those that talk about you, and it compares them to the detractors, those that are going to talk ill of you, and it gives you a single score very quickly at, to what I call a word-of-mouth index. So it's a very short survey, but it gives you a lot of sort of nuance about how likely you are to get word-of-mouth. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the issues there is keeping your survey short, brief, to the point. And then I think another issue is leveraging the content you get, with permission, of course, to use uh, on your website. It's a way of, get, of killing two birds with one stone, yeah. of using that content on your website that you get uh, from those interviews. 
Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes, and th- that's that's a really good point. I want to jump back to your book for a minute, Mike. Um, okay. I, I, you, you talk in your book about active complaints and passive complaints. So, what what can you explain to us what the difference is? <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, actively or reaching out to your customer for uh, for okay. active engagement is really what you want to be doing. I mean, obviously, complaints are going to come whether you ask for them or not. You need to be monitoring for them, for example, on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, if, however, though, uh, you make it easy on your website to engage them, I mean, a lot of people will come to you first Instead of them wandering out to social media, if you have a readily accessible complaint feature on your website, they will come to you first. Most people aren't nasty by nature and would prefer to give you the feedback because Mm -hmm. they want you to know that something went wrong. So even just making uh, a complaint form available by your email closure or by your website uh, helps a lot in terms of you know, making sure that you're capturing those people that do want to communicate with you. And then actively, I'm a big believer in reaching out and asking people, you know, how did we do? Did we do? And making it brief so that they can fill it out quickly, but making yeah. sure that um, that you can sort of head them off at the pass, solve the problem, and then ask again even. Mm-hmm. And a passive complaint would be then... Well, just uh, just some, but a complaint that comes. <laughs> yeah, or, or, it might even yeah. occur on Facebook. Gee, I dealt with this company, or on Twitter, I had a really bad experience, right? So you need to be monitoring there as well. Um, but I think passive, uh, only monitoring for that sort of stuff that's happening on your periphery probably isn't. Uh, it isn't active enough because it does. Most people remain silent instead of voicing their complaints. And really, the best thing is if you can get them to voice their complaints you really can save them as a customer. So it's hugely powerful. And and that kind of goes with some statistics that I read in your book, something like only 4% of of unhappy customers actually voice anything? That's correct. And unless you ask them, if you ask them, 70% will give you feedback uh, if they had a problem, right? So if you reach out to them with a survey, a small, short, quick survey, you will find that most of them will, are likely to respond. But if you don't, most of them are, are going to remain silent and you're going to lose those customers. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of, we're, we're talking today about turning everything upside down now because in the, the you know, for years it was, oh my gosh, I got a complaint. So it was more reactive um, than proactive. And we're talking about proactivity here and trying to reach out to all your customers and not just reacting to the 4% that actually leave some kind of poor complaint. And I think that's a really good point to the, our, for our listeners and our business owners. So, Mike, we're going to take another break. And um, when we come back, I'd like to stay with your book a little bit and um, talk about, you know, why complaints are good and, and what happens after you get that complaint and the process, okay? Sounds great. Okay. So, for our listeners, we are going to take a short break. And when we come back, that's what we're going to talk about. And we are speaking with Mike Blumenthal, founder of Get Five Stars. Get5stars.com, an author, an expert ebook, Build a Better Business Using Customer Complaints. You can get his ebook on ebook.get5stars.com slash complaints. And Mike has a great blog, which you can read under blumenthals.com, and that's spelled B-L-U-M-E-N-T-H-A-L-S.com. Or you can reach him at get5stars.com or under localu.org and also at mike at get5stars.com. And I am your host, Kimberly Lewis, leadership trainer and business expert. You can reach me with your comments and questions at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group. And with that, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. 
Our guests are business professionals, just like you, who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real, live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America's Business Channel. I am your host, Kimberly Lewis. Today we're talking with Mike Blumenthal, local search expert and founder of get5stars.com and author of the expert ebook Build a Better Business Using Customer Complaints. So before the the break Mike we're talking about um reaching out and and engaging your customers and getting them to give you complaints and um you shared with us some really interesting statistics that only 4% of uh, people actually complain, complain themselves unless they're asked. And I have a question. I'd like to go back to your book because I think one of the things we're missing a little bit in this puzzle, and I've, I've seen this quite a few times when I've actually reached out to a business, is, um, you know, what happens after that complaint? happens? What is the process and how can I make sure that process works? Well, you know, anybody who's worked in a, in a local business, whether it's a, cha- you know, a, whether you're a manager for a large company, you still have a lot of equity in it, emotional equity, or whether you own it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you've, you've invested your life, you often work 50, 60, 70 hours a week, you're often stressed about a million things, and when the customer comes to you with a complaint, they're stressed. So you have two stressed beings trying to resolve an issue, and it's very, very easy to take it personally. And uh, it, it, it's very easy for it to escalate. You know, you feel attacked, then they feel attacked, and then it goes south from there. So it, it, it is very difficult to distance yourself from the emotional side of a complaint. Mm-hmm. And I think the net result is many complaints go downhill quickly and end up in a bad review someplace. Mm-hmm. So how can how can because I'm you know I'm as the manager or the leader or the business owner, but I have a whole staff. So how can I kind of turn their minds around a little bit and and make them believe that that a complaint can be good? And how can I explain to them that it can be good? Well, I think you have to convince your staff that that. The complaints are good, firstly, because they, they, they get the, re- instead of them leaving, the customer leaving a bad review for you online, they're dealing with you directly. It also means they want to continue to deal with you. So in some ways, it's a buying signal. And by, com- by the fact that they've taken the trouble to complain, which is hard for many people, they're actually showing you respect and a willingness to solve the problem. So all those are good signs. It unfortunately gets expressed in a negative context. So people are are typically are defensive about it. So I think the first thing a manager can do is lead by example, help people understand that it's not a personal thing, and that as a company you're dedicated to solving the problems. I think also you can put guardrails into a business. You can say, okay, you have a complaint and it's about you. Then let's escalate it to somebody who isn't immediately involved and maybe not as emotional so that they can 
be more empathetic with the customer and at least hear the story. And then I think acknowledging and accepting response, it's not so much that the customer's always right, but they are right in that they feel dismissed or disrespected. And I think accepting responsibility for that bad outcome is a critical step and training your people to do that. And even through role-playing and uh, examples and even I think having a written plan so that there is a process by which these things get dealt with, uh, whether that includes, you know, going to a specific person or how you want to deal with it, I think is important so that you you know that this plan has been thought out as well as any plan in the business. You know, every business plans how they're going to get new customers. Mm -hmm. Very few businesses plan how they're going to deal with a complaint. And I think a written plan is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. I want to come back to that uh, on the process and and how we can that process can actually be made friendly. But I want to ask a, a different question because in your book I read that um, you've categorized complaints and you said that m- many complaints are about more about the person, not the product. Or do you have any statistics on what complaints are about? Yeah, I was just trying to bring that that research up. Most uh, complaints are typically revolve around uncaring or insensitive staff, poor customer service, rudeness, or a bad attitude, right? So it starts at the fundamental level of how business projects itself into the customer space. Uh, Somewhere in the order of 57% were related to either poor customer service or a poor customer attitude. And I think both of those things can be dealt with uh, easily. You know, the reality is that we're in a world, a one-click economy, where you can order, a, you can easily get a, a night stay at a $3 million house on the coast of California just by, you know, clicking a button. Yeah. And people are used to that. And so customer service levels have to increase. Things have to be more friction-free, less painful. And I think the, the people that provide those services have to be empathetic, sympathetic, and nice understand that you know that it's their job to represent you know the 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 image of the business so bulk of them are in those two things um you know there was a couple of lack of knowledge is two percent lack of product selections 23 percent high prices is only five percent right most people think that pricing is the reason that people are unhappy frequently it's not uh too slow and long lines which comes back to, to my mind poor customer service uh as uh in the same category. And then low quality products. I think all too often, many of these corporations are tripping over pennies for profit. And I think it's really silly. I had an experience the other day at a hotel where they had uh, dispensers with empty water bottles and a water fountain. You could fill up water bottles instead of charging you $5 for a water bottle, which I find a huge pain pain point, right? You get to the room, you're thirsty, you go to grab the water bottle and you realize it's a bottle of Fuji water imported from who knows where and they want $5 for it. I find that really incredible. And that problem was solved in this hotel in New York by simply an inexpensive solution that cost them pennies and yet it made them seem so much better than the other guys. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's interesting, what's interesting also, Mike, is when you talk about the bulk of um, being, you know, uh, attitude or staff or whatever, that is really the emotional part, isn't it? Right. Because it, because uh, that's why it's hard to turn to to get your staff to understand because it's really about them. Well, at least in bad attitude was 23 percent. So at least in a quarter of them, it really is about yeah. them. Yeah. Some of the customer service issues, I think, are systemic. Some of the out-of-stock and long lines, those yeah. are systemic, right? In pr- low levels of staffing or, you know, not well-thought-out return things. Those, those I think, the business are responsible for, whereas yeah. the attitude, obviously, it's a joint process of training, process. correct employee selection, and play attitude, which, though, could come from very low wages, right? We have a whole yeah. history in the United States of, you know, not paying retail employees very much, and that could contribute to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So just, I want to make my business customer friendly. You talked about processes. Any tips on that? How can I make my business customer friendly? Complaint friendly, complaint friendly. Complaint friendly. So one is make it clear in, in the store that you're willing to accept complaints. Put up a big SMS number, 
readily there. Make sure that on your website you make it clear that people can complain to you directly. I had an experience with a major airline. They sent me a customer survey which was didn't allow any freeform input. The problems I experienced were not dealt with in their survey. I went to look for their complaint form and it took me 15 minutes. Couldn't find <laughs> it. Finally had to tweet them as to what the URL URL was, right? And it's like, why not make that feedback button as prominent as your call button on your website, right? So, um, so you have to be ready. I think you have a pl- have to have a plan. You have to train your employees for that moment of misery. Make sure that they don't fall prey to their emotions. Recognize that you have biases in this, and understand that this is one of the most delicate of human interactions and it's very difficult. So if you have a plan, perhaps somebody else in your organization can make it easier. And then, like I said, make it really easy with the form, you know, readily access. Um, And then, you know, be ready once you get a complaint to to actually resolve it in some constructive way. I mean, a lot of, I dealt with a car company where I, you know, ordered the car a week in advance, was given a car that had cigarette smoke and stains on the day of, and they told me that, tough, this is what I was going to get. And when I called to complain about it, they didn't want to hear about it. It was like, okay, you know, it, it, it's, I just, it was incomprehensible to yeah, me. Yeah. When, you know, it started right from the beginning, yeah, right? Wrong car yeah. and wrong staff right. response and then wrong <laughs> corporate response. Exactly right. Oh, don't you hate that when that happens? It's just, and you when you wonder why comp- customers complain. But Mike, we're get we're get running out of time, and I would just like to to wrap up and ask you for three tips for our listeners. Um, maybe one tip of going back to online presence, um, one tip on uh, user generated content, and one tip on complaints. If you had three top tips on those issues. Sure. So I think the first is to build a great website, keep it updated, and disseminate that information about your business across the internet so that it's current, people can find you. Um, The second is that you should uh, encourage your customers to actively leave you reviews because you'll find that you don't want just the negative reviews out there. You want the happy customers to express their voice as well. And a personal ask goes a long way in that. And then finally, I think you should be proactively reaching out to your customers for feedback and complaint resolution and repurposing the content you get from that for your marketing, but also to help you solve complaints more quickly. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you with that. And I'd also just, um, in, in wrapping up, Mike, just tell our listeners, you also um, do a podcast uh, each week. I do two podcasts a week. Uh, On Mondays, I do a sort of weekend review in local, like what are the big events in local space, local marketing, local search. And then on Wednesdays, I do a what I call a deep dive with Mary Bowling, where we look at one topic in local search that could influence uh, better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I've I've listened to those podcasts, and I'd love to encourage our listeners to 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 um, what's the the deep dive is the one podcast, and the second one is what Mike last week in local, last week in local, okay, and they're both really good if you want to get more information on local search, I'd encourage you to listen to those, and also I'd encourage you to look at Mike's blog on Blumenthal's. Dot com, where he talks about a lot of the issues on local. So with that, Mike, thank you so much. It's been so great having you on the show. It's um, been a great pleasure and, being here. Yeah, and I hope that uh, we see each other again. Mike talked at our conference uh, a couple weeks ago, actually six weeks ago, and I'm sure you'll we'll be getting together in the local search space sometime soon. So thank you. Thank you. And to our listeners, we've been speaking with Mike Blumenthal, founder of Get5Stars.com and author of the expert ebook, Build a Better Business Using Customer Complaints. And this is available on ebook.get5stars.com slash complaints. And as I said, you can reach out to Mike under www.blumenthal's.com. That's his blog there, get5stars.com also localu.org or mike at get5stars.com and mike is under m blumenthal on twitter and under facebook he is under 
Mike Blumenthal. So as we wrap up the discussion today, this, this, this discussion had got me thinking. Mike's tips about using complaints as a basis for improvement doesn't necessarily need to be a tip for businesses. It, it can also be a tip for leaders. As a leader, we should also be asking for feedback. And I'm not so sure if we always do this. Um, maybe we're also quite afraid of getting feedback. Now, it's not complaints when you're getting feedback as a leader. It's more like criticism. And um, we're all a little bit shy in our, in our positions on getting criticism. But if you think about what we've talked about today and how businesses can use complaints to have improvements, then we as leaders can also use criticism to develop ourselves. And I would like to encourage not just the businesses to reach out for complaints from their customers, but also the leaders that are listening and the managers to reach out and get feedback from those manager, those people you're managing, those people that you're working with. Now, at Global Business Therapy, we do conduct 360s for leaders, and we coach leaders helping them use and turn feedback into constructive development. So contact us through our website at www.globalbusinesstherapy.com. Now, we also do executive coaching, leadership training, and we have a special division for Women's Leadership 2020, which is focusing on primarily developing women for positions of the future. Now, once again, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. Please get in touch with me for leadership training, systemic team coaching, motivational speaking, and executive coaching. Please reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail or visit my website at globalbusinesstherapy.com or leadershipbeyondborders.net. Now, as I do each week, I always end the show with the saying, and this week I'm ending the show with the saying that, remember, reputation is everything. And thank you and look forward to tuning in next week again. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.